Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, welcome so much today as we continue this excursion into podcast learning, this journey toward truth and understanding in a simple and understandable way of the Bible. Last week, we looked at the book of Genesis, and as I mentioned throughout the course of this year, we're going to start in the book of Genesis. I did that last week. We're going to continue through the book of Revelation. We're going to cover the entire Bible in one year. Uh, Thank you. My name is Mark Miner. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, My promise to you is that if you give me 24 minutes once a week, I'm going to try to communicate with everything within me uh, the amazing Uh, indescribable book of the Bible, and more than that, to help you to get confident in what you know and what you believe about the Bible. As I mentioned last week, uh, we are simply going to look for the stepping stones. We're not going to try to swim across the river. Uh, We're going to find the high points to make it from one side to the other. I find many times that people try to read through the Bible, and they make it to Genesis, maybe Exodus, somewhere around Leviticus and Numbers. Uh, they fall out of the canoe. Well, I don't want you to fall out of the canoe. I want you to make it across. And the way we're going to do that is by simply helping you to learn some things about each book of the Bible so that when somebody mentions one of the books, you will have a key word, a key concept, a key figure. You will know something about that book that will help you to engage in conversation, but it'll also help you to feel confident in your understanding of the Bible. Now, if you want to get deeper, if you want to put flesh on the bones, that's great. It's amazing studies, and, and you can spend hours, years, and a lifetime trying to understand this incredible book. What I'm hoping to give you is simply the skeleton so that you'll feel confident and you can move on from there. So, so that's our goal, to know something about this book and to give you confidence that each book of the 66 books in the Bible you'll be able to speak to, uh, at least think about, and be able to uh, feel like you know a little something about God's plan throughout the entire 66 books. So thank you for being a part today. Uh, We're going to jump right into the book of Exodus. This is book number two in the Bible. And one of the things that I think is really important for all of us is to be able to have one phrase or one word that can identify with each of the books in the Bible. Last week it was the book of Genesis, and we talked about the book of Genesis being the book of If you're listening last week, hopefully you got this. It's the book of beginnings. It was the beginning of creation. It was the beginning of mankind. It's the beginning of sin, the beginning of language, the beginning of bloodshed and war, the beginning of civilizations, and on and on and on. And so we covered the 50 chapters in the book of Genesis simply talking about beginnings. Today we're looking at the book of Exodus. And the key phrase or the key word for the book of Exodus is exit. Say it with me if you would, please. Exit. Uh, There is an exit in the book of Exodus, an exit from slavery and an exit from Egypt. So that will be our key phrase for this second book of the Bible. Now, 
I want to give you a little bit of backstory. Backstory is important. A lot of times what happens between the two books, for example, we ended out in Genesis chapter 50, and now we're looking at Exodus chapter 1. Well, what took place between those two chapters uh, in your Bible and in history? Well, my wife likes a, a television show. It's made in Canada. It's about horses and beautiful scenery. Uh, it's been going for 11 or 12 seasons now. It's called Heartland. Maybe some Heartland fans out there right now. And my daughter's told my wife, you're really going to like this. My wife likes horses. She's a farm girl. Uh, and she does. And it was a beautiful, it is a beautiful uh, story with all kinds of twists and turns. But what we found is that on our television, the only thing we could find is like season five, six, seven. Well, it, she wanted to start at the very beginning, which is uh, reasonable. And so we got Netflix, and that way with Netflix, she could go back to season one, episode one. And now she's watched through all the way to chapter 10 or to season 10 or 11. And she knows the characters. She knows where they've come from. She knows how they developed. She'll tell me sometime, oh, that, that guy's a bad guy. Or, uh, yeah, he showed up in season uh, you know, three, and now he is in, here he is again in season seven. What's he doing there? Well, she's very familiar with all the things going on in Heartland because she knows the backstory, the plots, and the setting. Well, so it is with the book of Exodus. We need to understand what's taking place before we can really understand uh, what's going on uh, in, in this new book. So we're going to go back just a moment to Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter. And in the last chapter of the book of Genesis, if you heard last week, or perhaps you already know this, but in the last chapter of the book of Genesis, uh, we find that Joseph has elevated by God's help to basically the Pharaoh second in command of this incredible dynasty or civilization called Egypt. There's been a famine in the whole area. His brothers come down to visit him. Uh, there's a reconciliation. And now at the end of Genesis, he's invited his whole family, his 11 brothers and their families and his father to come down to Egypt. The Bible informs us that there are 70 in all in Egypt. And the 12 sons of Israel and their families are all there. And at the end of Genesis, they're all living peacefully in Egypt. That's the end of the book. Then we encounter Exodus chapter 1. And something's happened in between those, the, that, that time from Genesis to Exodus. Uh, fortunes have changed over the centuries. The Democrats are in power. Now the Republicans are in power. In other words, there's new kings and new dynasties, new players. And somewhere in the mix of those two or three hundred years, those two or three centuries, uh, the Israelites, these 70 people now multiplied somewhat, found themselves odd man out. And they are enslaved, enslaved in a foreign land. They have nowhere to go for they have no country, at least not yet. Uh, they worked day and night to, to build these incredible sphinx and monuments and pyramids for the Egyptians. And they're harvesting their fields and working and doing whatever the Egyptians demand because they are their overseers. But something also amazing to understand as we go from Genesis to the book of Exodus is simply this, that what started out as 70 people coming down during Joseph's reign at the end of the book of Genesis, now some 300 years later, uh, the Bible tells us that they have multiplied to over to to some hundreds of thousands of Israelites over these two or three hundred years now. Uh, they're still slaves. They are uh, 
<clears throat> they are without any power, but they have multiplied. In fact, we know that the Egyptians were beginning to be afraid of them because they were so healthy, so strong, and, and so many of them were there in the land. So uh, they are there in Egypt, and they need, as the backstory informs us, they really need a deliverer. Enter Moses. Moses is the key principal player in the entire book of Exodus. That's all you need to remember. Moses, Moses, Moses. Now, Moses' life divides out really nicely. Uh, by the way, as a side, if you think about the Bible and you, don't, you want to look at some numbers, there are certain numbers that pop up all the time. Three is an important number. Of course, seven, 12, and then there's 40 and 400. So uh, if you just want to guess one of those numbers that at any point in time in a trivia game or just trying to figure something out, you may be close. Those seem to be very sacred numbers in the Bible. But Moses' life divides out into three 40-year periods of time. For the first 40 years, Moses is a prince. Moses is a prince. If you'll remember, Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter. She adopts him. He's raised in the courts of Pharaoh. He has the finest to eat. He has the best education. He's trained in military warfare. He knows about language. He has wealth. Uh, everything that you could ever want, the Harvard degree of his day, Moses has in this greatest, uh, perhaps, culture in, in some ways of all times. We can't build the pyramids they built. We can't build them today. So Moses had an incredible amount of uh, opportunity afforded to him during those first 40 years of his life. But if you know the story, and that's found in Exodus 1 and 2, but in Exodus 2 and through 4, we find something that's happened. Moses, in his anger, reaches out and kills an Egyptian. And because of that, he must flee for his life. And so now, for the first 40 years, he's a prince. For the next 40 years, he's a fugitive. He's a fugitive. And so he flees. He flees Egypt. He runs to a land by the name of Midian. Uh, he lives there ultimately as a shepherd. He marries and has children. Uh, he lives in the shadow of a mountain that we know of as Mount Sinai, also called Mount Horeb. And uh, so he's, he's growing up there and he thinks, well, this is my life. My life is over, but I'm, I'm enjoying it here in this pastoral sort of land, and I'll just be a shepherd, and I'll just end out my life um, doing that, working for my father-in-law Jethro and, and tending his flocks, and uh, everything will be great. Well, at least that's what he thought. But if you, do you know that God sometimes knows when you're on the backside of a desert? Well, God knew exactly where Moses was, and if you remember in, in Exodus uh, chapter 3, he has this encounter with a burning bush. And there at the burning bush, God reveals himself to Moses. He tells Moses, you are my chosen instrument. God's plan is always a man, a man or a woman, but God always uses somebody to do great and mighty things. Maybe it's you. Certainly in this case, it was Moses. And so God calls Moses to go back to Egypt and to confront Pharaoh and to tell him, let my people go. And thus begins the third 40-year period of Moses' life. Now Moses is a deliverer. He leads Israel. Uh, he uh, provides through God's hand, of course, the ten plagues, which ultimately prize Pharaoh's hand off of the children of Israel. He lets those people go. 
Moses takes them out. They head to the Red Sea. Moses parts the Red Sea. You remember the Egyptian army comes after them. Moses closes the Red Sea and uh, thereby removing the threat of the Egyptian army, recapturing them and taking them back to Egypt. So for the next 40 years, Moses leads this massive group of former slaves, and I say that on, on purpose, former slaves through the wilderness and toward the promised land. So Moses is the key. The key phrase is exit, and Moses is the one who is helping them, the deliverer, to take them as they exit Egypt and slavery. Now we're going to look at some key concepts concerning the book of Exodus. And one of the key concepts I think is often missed as we understand or as we think about the book of Exodus, and it's something that's maybe familiar to you, it's called the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. Moses was a very unique individual. Unique in the sense that he was very smart, he was very intellectual, he had the greatest uh, university training, if you will, of anybody that comes into play later on very similar to what God did with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. But Moses has a unique relationship with God. We see that at the burning bush. We see it even more intensely in the tent of meaning, of meeting, W-M-E-E-T-I-N-G, meeting. Exodus 33, 7 says this, Now Moses used to take a tent, and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now, get the idea here. Uh, at, this, at this tent, Moses is inside. The glory of God is descending upon this tent. Verse 11 tells us this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, listeners, that's not happened anywhere else in Scripture before or even after. Where God, and I don't think Moses saw the face of God, but they had this intimate one-on-one -on -one discussion, sort of oriented relationship and you may say, well, why is this important? Let me read on Exodus 34, 34 says, And when he came out, uh, they saw that the face of Moses was radiant, and Moses was glowing because of the glory of God and the encounter that he had in the presence of God. And again, why is this important? Well, I, I believe that something important is happening there, and it's this. During that period of time when Moses and God are having their one-on-one, -on -one, God is communicating with Moses communicating to him the books of the law and how to build the ark and the tabernacle and all those things, uh, which are, of course, are very important. But this is, this is I, I think, very germane to the whole understanding of the Bible. I believe that God is also speaking to Moses and informing him how and what to write in the book of Genesis. Now, the first five books of the Bible by Jesus himself were called the books of Moses. That would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Well, how did Moses know anything about the book of Genesis? How did he know about creation or Adam and Eve or the serpent or the fall or, or the flood or the Tower of Babel? How did he know any of those things? He certainly wasn't there. Is it just myth? Did he just make it up? Or, as I believe, God was speaking all that truth to Moses there in the tent of meeting. And so we have the book of uh, Genesis in front of us. 
And I think we can trust it because God gave it to Moses to write and to share with us. Uh, so the tent of meeting is a very important aspect uh, as God was informing him of so many things. Let's look at a second part, a key uh, concept concerning the book of Exodus. And that is, in the big picture, God's purpose was to, a, was to grow a country. Sometimes you hear people say, well, why did God leave the children of Israel there for 300, 400 years? 430 years is some of the, sometimes the number that's tossed around. They weren't in slavery that entire time. They were in favor for part of that. So we don't know exactly how many centuries they were in slavery. But why would God do that? Well, again, we remember as they left in Genesis 50, there were 70 of them. Now there are hundreds of thousands of them. And so God is growing a country. He had promised Abraham in Genesis 12 that he would make a mighty nation out of him and that all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, at the beginning, uh, at the end of Genesis, there's 70. But now, some two, three, four hundred years later, there are hundreds of thousands. A mighty nation has been birthed. So they're getting ready to come out. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, as they came out of Egypt, it gives us the number 600,000 men that came out of Egypt as Moses the Deliverer led them out. So if we just extrapolate that out a little bit, we could think of somewhere around a million plus individuals there uh, going out with Moses. That may seem like an incredible amount of people, and it is. But I would also remind you, especially if you're a football fan, that you could go to Ann Arbor, Michigan almost any Saturday during football season and see upwards of 110,000 people all gathered together in the football stadium there at Ann Arbor, Michigan to watch University of Michigan play whomever uh, is uh, their opponent that day. Uh, that happens all the time. So uh, nine times whatever might fill Ann Arbor's uh, football arena is approximately the number of people that came out of Egypt that Moses was leading. A large number, but I would, I would say to you a manageable number. Let's look at a, a third part or a key um, phrase or, excuse me, a key concept concerning what's going on in Exodus. Remember, now I'm just giving you some concepts. I want you to know a couple of things about the book. I want you to know about Moses. I want you to know the key phrase is exit. I want you to understand why God left them there for so long because they're coming out now because God's promise is always kept that he promised Abraham that he would make them a great mighty nation. They are a mighty nation, but they're still slaves. They don't have a culture and that is the third key concept. God is giving his people a culture in the book of Exodus. This new nation has come out, but for three or four hundred years, they've simply been slaves. They've done what they were told. They didn't think for themselves. Uh, they didn't have the opportunity of freedom to do anything. Uh, you and I, if you're an American, you're listening here today, uh, we, have, we have a culture uh, we have the American culture, uh, and we uh, enjoy so many things about it. There are traditions that we have. There are presidents and patriots and heroes that we have that we can look back at. We have a collective memory of things, both good and bad, that are part of our life. The children of Israel had none of that over the 300-plus years they were in slavery. 
Uh, we sit down at Christmas and Easter and Fourth of July, and we have family events, and, and we honor different things. All of those are cultural traditions that we have. Again, the children of Israel had none of that. They were slaves and had been since the 70 of them came into Egypt over 400 years ago. So what's God doing? Well, God is giving them, as you must have if you're going to be a unified people, he's giving them a culture. And he does that specifically in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as well. But he begins to establish that concept in Exodus. After all, this is a special people to God. They are God's people. They are the Messianic people in that Jesus will come through this line. And so it's important for God to give them an identity. I want to give you seven things that, that help to enshrine through the book of Exodus, uh, enshrine this idea, this concept of a culture for this slave people now free and about to uh, become a nation uh, in the next few decades. So what does God give them to, to help them have a culture? Well, uh, he gives them his name. God spoke to Moses. He said, I am that I am. Because Moses said, who should I say he sent me? Which God are you? And God said, I am the self-existent one, sometimes interpreted as Yahweh. Nobody else had he given that name to. But now he has identified himself specifically in the book of Exodus with this people that started out as 70, are now well over a million people, and that are now on the move soon to come on into their promised land. He gives them his name, number one. Number two, he gives them holy days or holidays. They had no holidays. We have holidays, we have birthdays, we have so many things we celebrate. They had nothing to celebrate. And God gives them seven holy days. We'll look at that more specifically next week as we talk about the book of Leviticus. But if you're going to be a culture, you've got to have special days to honor and celebrate. Thirdly, he gives them laws to live by. And these laws are absolutely profound as God, the creator, speaks health and life and justice and mercy to these slave people that are now free. He gives them his laws to live by. He also, in fourth, he gives them religious practices. In other words, they have offerings, they have sacrifices, they have rules, they have songs. And so they have a religion, if you will, or religious practices. Number five, he gives them a tabernacle, a focus for their worship. Symbolic in, in a myriad of ways is the tabernacle. But that's specifically designed by God and given to this people to help them establish a culture, an identity, to recognize that they are unique and special, holy, which means set apart unto God. Sixthly, he gives them priests to lead them. Moses' brother Aaron being the chief among them. And these priests are to guide them as they not only journey through life, but more specifically in their journey toward God. And number seven, and I think probably the greatest importance, uh, as, as all of these are, but he gives them a book. The Old Testament, beginning with these first five books of Moses. They have something to live by, something that no other culture had. They had book, a book, a holy book, breathed, written by God, and it was right there before them. And so they were being established in the book of Exodus as a country. 
So as we think about the key words and the key concepts here, uh, let's say it with me if you would. The, the key phrase for the book of Exodus is exit, shout it at your car dash, exit, shout it at your uh, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, exit, exit is all about what Exodus is about. Uh, we remember the background connecting Genesis and Exodus. We remember that Moses is the key figure in the book of Exodus. The key concepts of the tent of meeting, Israel now being a nation, a country, and also now becoming a culture. If you're looking for a little bit of extra study, you might look at the calling uh, the burning bush uh, scenario there in Exodus 3 or maybe the 10 plagues. Uh, perhaps you want to talk about the Ten Commandments. You can so many things you can look at if you want to go deeper in the book of Exodus as uh, we walk through the Bible in this year. A key verse, I believe in memory verses, and this is the last thing for today. Uh, the key memory verse, I'll give you one each episode that you can memorize. It'll be short, it'll be to the point, but it will at least be one verse you can relate to. Exodus 23, this is the first of the Ten Commandments. But Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Wow. Amazing book, the book of Exodus, book number two in the Bible. If you go to the 24-minute Facebook Bible Facebook page, I'll have some maps and charts. Those are just there to help you if you want to uh, go beyond and want to look at some things. I'm a charts and a map sort of guy, so uh, I'm, I'm just doing that for myself, perhaps as well as you as well. Uh, also, you can go to the 24-minute Bible, all lowercase, at gmail.com, and you can connect with me. You can access the study notes for this episode. Uh, also, if you go to a website, if you go to whittington.org, whittington.org, and that's the church that I pastor, whittington.org, just go to the bottom of that page. You will find a place there where it, it, you can access the study notes uh, for this book, the book of Exodus. And so uh, thank you for being a part. Next next week, we're going to be looking at uh, what some people consider a boring book. I think it is absolutely off the charts amazing. And that is the book of Leviticus. So join with me next week. Tell somebody about this podcast. If it's helping you, thank you for listening. Connect with me at the, uh, the 24-minute Bible at gmail.com. Uh, email address if you have a question or you just want to connect. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Look forward to studying Leviticus with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your lives.